It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked15 and get 15% off your next order. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Julian Council, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts where you can rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check us out on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, on the new Odyssey app, and yeah, you guessed it, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, again, at Julian Council on Twitter, where you can DM me, you can tweet at me, any of your questions about the Carolina Panthers, or anything you want to talk about in terms of life, Charlotte sports, food, it doesn't matter. If you want to talk to me, just follow me, tweet at me, every Friday. We didn't do it last Friday because we were reacting to what happened in the first round as Carolina Panthers decided to bypass drafting quarterback Justin Fields out of Ohio State, took best player available, and they got on the top of their board. That was J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina, who they expect to start day one. So we talked about on Friday, but this coming Friday, the mailbag is back, and we're going to keep doing the mailbag, at least on Fridays throughout the offseason, and then once again into the season, might have more of a midweek Wednesday mailbag, but we'll figure that out when that time comes. Right now, we're just going to focus on the Carolina Panthers and what happened in the draft this past weekend in rounds two through seven. My main takeaways, any frustrations, but man, the Carolina Panthers, if you look at it, and just starting off right here, if you look at what the Carolina Panthers did this weekend, and you look at all the people out there that are draft experts, I've told you, I'm not a huge draft guy, honestly. Like, the first round, I'm very interested in the first round because, obviously, that's the biggest night of the draft, okay? And typically, in years past, pandemic aside, like last year, when I was locked in my house, that was the only time I have ever sat there and legitimately watched all seven rounds of the NFL draft. This year, it was pretty much back to normal. 
watching the first round, following the second round and third round through Twitter, and pretty much just ignoring the rest of the draft until Sunday morning when I check back and see who they drafted, kind of put my notes together and understand what the Carolina Panthers did. So I'm not a huge draft guy, but everyone out there that covers the draft professionally or follows the draft and loves the draft, you cannot find a single person who did not love what the Carolina Panthers did in the NFL draft this past weekend. There were A's galore out there. Now, I will say this. As someone who's not a huge draft person, draft grades are completely and entirely useless. They mean absolutely nothing. You might think that player A was really good and would be a great fit in this organization. They have a great chance of not working out. Understand that. That whatever the Panthers did this weekend, it might look good on paper. It might look bad on paper. That does not mean that it's going to work or not work once these guys actually get here to Carolina put on the Panthers uniform, and go play there on every Sunday at Bank of America Stadium and across the NFL. Draft grades do not matter, so understand that. But I'm not telling you not to be excited, because there's a lot to be excited about in terms of just the Panthers having a completely different approach that we have not seen ever here in Carolina. If we're being honest, of all the years of Marty Herney, we never saw him maneuver the draft board the way Scott Fitterer did on starting on Friday night. Really, mainly on Friday night, we had never seen that. So it's exciting to see that you have a GM who has different ideas and is doing different things when for 15 plus years we sat here in Carolina and we watched the guy do the same thing. And even Dave Gettleman, when he was a general manager, he was talking about weeks ago with the Giants not wanting to get fleeced when trading back. He did actually trade back in the first round and then fleece himself with the draft pick that he made. But still, we had not seen the kind of things that we saw this past weekend in the 26-year history of the Carolina Panthers. Like, there's reasons why there were history being made this past week with Scott Fitter as the Panthers GM. And, of course, Matt Rule is his head coach and very active participant, of course, as he should be, in this NFL draft process. So, there's a lot to be excited about the Carolina Panthers, certainly. And I'm not going to begrudge anyone who looks at those draft races, A-plus, and is like, yes, let's go. We got We had the best draft. Only time will tell. As it does with pretty much all things in life. Only time will tell whether the guys the Carolina Panthers brought in, those were the right choices. Whether the choice that they made did not go with Justin Fields and go with J.C. Horn. We will find out in the end if that turned out to be the right decision. Or the Panthers made a mistake. Or some of the guys that the Panthers took on later in the draft who have quote-unquote character concerns, which we'll go over. Were, did they make the mistake by going out there and taking a risk on those guys when they could have had safer picks? Who knows? We will find out though. Whether it's this season or in two years and three years, we will find out. But I feel a lot more confident in the process that Scott Fitterer put together over the last couple of days than I have ever felt when it comes to the Carolina Panthers general manager. And that's a good feeling, honestly. Seriously. Like, that's probably the best feeling of it all. Because I feel like I have confidence in these guys. I like what they've done throughout the entire offseason with free agency leading up to the point in the draft to where they could go out there and take best player available at situations like eight or that they would take risks by trading down in the fourth round and still getting their guy. I like what I saw this past weekend. I do. I like it. I don't know whether it's going to work out in the end. I don't know if these guys are going to be any good. We hope, of course, that everything that they did in scouting-wise and just the interviews and this whole process, it turns out to lead to a lot of great things here in Carolina in the future. But just going back and starting on Friday night, I had one mission when I woke up that morning for the Carolina Panthers, it was to draft a left tackle too often. And we had sat there 
on Thursday evening, and I was talking for weeks here, telling y'all, if Panay Sewell's on the board and they, they don't take him, we riot. And he was sitting there on the board at 7 and was thinking he's about to be a Carolina Panther. I tweeted at the Detroit Lions and said, don't you dare, Detroit. And they took him. And now I will hate the Detroit Lions to my last breath. That's just how I feel about Panay Sewell and what he could have been for the Carolina Panthers at left tackle. So they didn't take him. They decided to not take Justin Fields. And then Friday morning, the big news of the day, at least for Carolina, was that they had up, picked up or exercised the fifth-year option for quarterback Sam Darnold, which was expected when the Carolina Panthers traded for him a couple weeks ago. So that finally came to fruition. It was clearly more smoke than fire with the Carolina Panthers trying to coerce a team like New England or whoever to trade up to eight to take Justin Fields, but they did not get enough in terms of compensation that made them feel like they needed to trade back to get JC instead of taking JC Horn right there at eight. So Friday morning, it was Liam Eikenberg. Liam Eikenberg, left tackle out of Notre Dame. Three-year starter at a university that basically grows offensive linemen on trees. You have guys like Ronnie Stanley and Mike McGlinchey have been first-round tackles. The Martin brothers. There's so many good linemen who come from Notre Dame that I was just like, that's the guy at 39. That was the guy. But we go to Friday night, and the Panthers decide to trade back from 39 which honestly should not have been that surprising. Peter King had mentioned two straight weeks in his Football Morning America how the Panthers had averaged uh, 6.2 picks per draft where the league average was 8.1 and that they wanted to add more selections, especially after trading away one of their six-round compensatory picks in the Sam Darnold trade to New York and not having a seventh-round pick. They wanted to add more selections, and that's what Scott Fitter went out there and did. So, no, if you follow me on Twitter... I was not happy when I saw that they were trading out of that position to get a left tackle. I was not happy about it. I was just sitting there thinking, man, you, you decided not to get fields. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. I didn't really feel like that made sense. But you got to help Sam Darnold out. He has a lot around him in terms of skill position. But the offensive line is a huge concern. So they traded out and a run and tackles proceeded to happen. And my frustration built. And I wasn't the only one who was frustrated. But here's the thing I think it's important. I learned, and I definitely learned a lesson here, is that, you know, you can't overreact in these situations. You got to kind of let the thing hold, you got to let it play out. Like in the first quarter of a game, Panthers get down, having all these issues. You can't be like, oh, this game's over. You got to sit there and wait to see how the game plays out. Like you play 60 minutes for a reason, right? Like there's seven rounds of the draft for a reason. Like you got to, you got to let things play out. So I, had, I, had, I learned that again. That's something I knew, but it's something I had to take a deep breath and learn that again on Friday night at Scott Fitterer made four trades on Friday evening, which tied a franchise record, which is insane for most trades in not just a single round, but in the entirety of the NFL draft. So they trade back their first pick in the second round at 59 overall was Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall, I like. Out of LSU, played alongside Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, two first-round wide receivers. Justin Jefferson was excellent. Last year with Minnesota should have been the offensive rookie of the year, but because he doesn't play quarterback and the NFL is all about the quarterbacks, he didn't get the award, but he was fantastic. Of course, Jamar Chase, first wide receiver taken off the board, number five, oh, fifth overall rather, to the Cincinnati Bengals, a team up with that quarterback who they won a national championship with and was the number one overall pick last year, Joe Burrow. So Terrace Marshall was the third option on that team alongside another first rounder in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and then the aforementioned Jefferson and Chase. But a really good player. 6'3", 205, runs a sub 4'4", 40. So speed and size. 
and he's a touchdown machine, man. Every time you watch an LSU game, this dude was in the end zone. Now, there are concerns, though, about his knee because he did have some issues with injuries at LSU. And Matt Miller, um, formerly of Bleach Report, now of ESPN as far as an NFL draft uh, analyst and the draft scout on Twitter, he did say that the concerns about his knee dropped him to the second round. Terrace Marshall did tell the media here in Charlotte that he had his knee scope in January but fully participated in his pro day. He adds depth to the receiving room. You already have DJ Moore, of course. Robbie Anderson's going to be a free agent, so we'll kind of talk about later on how that might impact Anderson in free agency with Terrace Marshall now on the roster. You added David Moore. You have Dan Arnold, who's not a wide receiver. You have Dan Arnold right there in the passing game. So you added depth to the receiver room by taking Terrace Marshall and a guy who's familiar with Joe Brady and with what how the schemes Joe Brady likes to run in his offense. So I actually did like that pick. I was not necessarily thinking that the first pick for the Carolina Panthers um, in the second round would be a wide receiver. But if it's going to be a wide receiver, let it be a guy that the coaching staff, in terms of Joe Brady, already has an understanding of, and that was Terrace Marshall. All right, so... Quick pause, then we got to get to the rest of what the Panthers did on Friday night and in the rest of the draft, especially what they did in the third round at tackle. Hey, Panthers fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get the complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Okay, so trade galore leads to no left tackle, at least in the second round, as we have a run on tackles, but it does lead to Terrace Marshall. So then you're thinking, at least I'm thinking, for the love of God. Get a left tackle. Get somebody to play tackle because all the top guys are pretty much gone. Eichenberg's gone. Tevin Jenkins is gone. But I didn't really want a right tackle. I didn't want anyone who played right tackle. And that was one of the big things I was telling people. Don't come talk to me about such and such player who's a top tackle but primarily spent their time on the right. Give me someone who spent their time on the left. And the Carolina Panthers actually delivered by in the third round at 70th overall, taking Brady Christensen off into tackle out of BYU. Now, Christensen, 24 years old. So he's a little older, haven't been at BYU, had his Mormon mission right out of high school, two years, then came to BYU, was a three-year starter there at left tackle for them, was a freshman All-American. Then this past year was a 2020 consensus All-American at left tackle. He had the best 2020 pass blocking grade among offensive tackles in his draft class, only allowed two pressures on 293 passing uh, pass blocking regular season snaps. So that's pretty good. Started every game for three straight years at BYU on the left side. Consensus All-American. Apparently, also, apparently, according to PFF, he was the highest rated uh, offensive lineman that they have had ever in terms of this past season. 
Now, I'll just say this, though. Like, if he is as good as that says, then he would have gone in the first round, right? Like, Panay Sewell was the first tackle taken for a reason. Like, if Brady, and he's younger than Brady Christian, of course. He's 20, Christensen is 24. But I'm just going to put that out there. Like, if Christensen was a top tackle in his draft, he would not have gone as late as he did in the third round. And I'm not saying he's not a good player. Because, like, this dude, at his size, he ran a 4.8940. A left tackle ran a 4.8940 at his pro day. The pro day that where the Jets fell in love with Zach Wilson, that's what he did. Now, let me say this, though. And Matt Rule says that, you know, he's going to be a tackle candidate that can go inside and play guard as well. So the positional flexibility, that's what they wanted to get basically out of everybody that they're going to draft on the offensive line, especially early like that with Brady Christensen. Just let me say this, though. Brady Christensen was really good last year. Christensen. Let me get his name right. He was very good last year, obviously, with BYU. But one of the concerns, and at least criticism I had of Zach Wilson, not saying that he wasn't a good player, was just the schedule that they played in, they played last season to where... He was putting up massive numbers on not like power five opponents, but a bunch of like group of five schools. And while it's all well and good, Zach Wilson also had a great offense line. And that is where you kind of go and look at Brady Christians and say like that guy really gave Zach Wilson the opportunity to end up being the number two overall pick, which is a very good thing. But you also have to look at the competition level that he faced in terms of edge rushers. It's going to be a completely different ball game now here in the NFL. And we look back a couple years ago, Greg Little, who's a good player at Ole Miss, has a left tackle, three-year starter, going up against great rushers all the time in the SEC. He has not fared well at all in the NFL, and he came from the SEC. So I just look at Christensen. I'm just curious, because like when you go at BYU, Utah, they who they played, has great pass rushers all the time. They played them back in 2019. They play them every year, basically, the Holy War. They always have great pass rushers. You play against the USC's of the world. They play against Washington. Those are the games I want to go back and find out more about Brady Christensen. Like, I try to do a deep dive. A lot of people just gave the 2020 stats, which are good. And I also just say this. Like, I'm happy that they went out there and got a guy who's going to compete with Trent Scott, Greg Little, who I honestly, at this point in time, I think is probably not going to be a Carolina Panther when the season starts. And, of course, Cam Irving, who they assigned. to $8 million guaranteed over the next two seasons. I'm happy that they did that. I truly am happy that they went out there and got a guy who played primarily left tackle. And hold, and he says that he's an elite pass protector. But we'll find out because it's certainly he's stepping up in a level of competition, especially after spending a year where they didn't really play a lot of good teams. That's not BYU's fault. Just the opt-outs and the way that conferences were only playing conference-only schedules in the Power Five, it really prevented, especially the Pac-12, who they usually play a lot of good teams from, that prevented BYU from really showcasing against really good teams. But I just look back to the national showcase game that they had against Coastal Carolina, and they lost that game. So I don't know how good they really were. They were a good football team, but I don't know how good they actually were this past season. I look at just the position of left tackle, and yes, the grades, they're awesome. But you he's falling back to the third round and you have all these other guys go ahead of him i just wonder did the panthers actually get a guy who can be that guy that, that long-term left tackle for the future i don't know we they might have and gotten great value for him but i just don't know because they, they traded up this was the only trade up of the draft of the five trades former trade backs this is the only trade up from 73 to 70 so scott fitter and matt rule they certainly do like christensen he does bring at least um, a maturity after really being 24 already, being married, having a child. So I do like that about him. I just do wonder, like, long-term, like, he's going to be, what, 28 by the time his end of his rookie deal is, and then you can sign him to another deal maybe if he's any good. And after that, like, that's what? That's, I mean, eight seasons of a good left tackle, I will take that after everything we've been through. All I'm just saying is 
I just, man, it's been two, since 2008 still that the Carolina Panthers have drafted a first-round left tackle. That was Jeff Otak, coincidentally a guy out of, out of Utah, but the University of Utah, not BYU, and that did not necessarily work out for the Carolina Panthers. It's just at some point in time, you have to go get that top tackle talent at, hopefully, one day they'll do it. Christensen, I don't hate the pick at all. I'm just pointing out the fact that if you're going to criticize the schedule that Zach Wilson played, you also have to look at it from a perspective of all the guys on that BYU roster, and Brady Christensen, one of them, even though he was excellent last year, I don't want to take that away from him. I just still have my questions of whether that really is the answer for Carolina moving forward. Also taken there in the third round, at 83rd in the draft was Tommy Trimble, tight end out of Notre Dame, 6'3", 241 pounds, an excellent run blocker. If you looked at Twitter, there was a bunch of people who were just posting just this guy running through people. And it's not just he's a run blocker. He also can go out there and catch the ball. And that's something that Carolina's been looking for. Manhurts, who now signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Meyer, he was a great run blocker. Wasn't much of a pass catcher, even if Teddy Bridgewater, uh, by, uh, tried to say that he was heading into last season. That did not happen. And when I look at this, I think it's probably the end of Ian Thomas, right? Ian Thomas, raw, played two years at Indiana as a tight end after being a basketball player. Had chances when Greg Olson was injured with the foot. Had a chance last year to be the guy, and it just really has not materialized. And that's just kind of when you look at it. Like, Manhurts is a former basketball player. Ian Thomas is a former basketball player. Trimble's just a football player, man. Like, I, that's the thing. Like, we got into this point where you saw guys like Antonio Gates who's going to be a Hall of Famer become awesome former basketball players and turn into tight ends and every team has tried to duplicate that let's just go out there and get football players and that's what Tommy Trimble is so when I see Tommy Trimble and I see Dan Arnold added to the roster and Colin Thompson being a former Temple guy for Matt Rule I think to myself that's we've probably seen the last of Ian Thomas here in Carolina if we're being real he's probably done when you sign when you draft Tommy Trimble there in the third round that's just my opinion so Another quick pause, look at some of the day three guys, including Chuba Hubbard and the guy from Iowa that I think actually can really fit in and be pretty good, especially in a role where he had a former Big Ten guy playing the same position that he played. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. They have 18 amazing flavors, including six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisps as well and you have some of the 12 original flavors in coconut almond german chocolate peanut butter banana bread mint brownie salted caramel double chocolate and peanut brownie and here's the great thing about built bars all built bars are covered in 100 chocolate they're soft and easy to chew and built bars are also healthy and great for anyone who's health conscious if you're trying to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat built bars are just for you built bars are low calorie Low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for anyone on a keto diet or anyone on any kind of diet whatsoever. So check this out. Go to the website right now, and with your purchase, you could win a free cooler while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes... It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse 
with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, moving on to day three, starting in the fourth round. And this actually had an interesting story. Carolina trades back from 109 to 126, their fifth and final trade of the draft. And this was one where they took a little bit of a gamble, but I like the story here. Matt Rule's wife texted him on Saturday, telling him that he needed to draft Chuba Hubbard, the running back out of Oklahoma State, who had run for 171 yards, two touchdowns, back on Matt Rule's final Baylor team in 2019. That season... Hubbard led the nation in basically every rushing category and led the nation rushing over 2,000 yards that year and was amazing, a Heisman Trophy candidate. He has a speed and vision, and the Panthers decided that they wanted to take the risk. They were going to take him at 109. They trade back to 126, and they get their guy, and they get a backup for Christian McCaffrey. Now, this is one interesting thing about Hubbard, because I, I loved him at Oklahoma State that year. He dealt with some injuries this past pandemic season in 2020 and then even a year prior to 2018 in between the 2019 season where he was the best running back in college football, he had some issues as well. One scout did have a little bit of criticisms that should kind of make you concerned a bit, but I'm not telling you not to like Chuba Hubbard. One scout said he didn't have a great season this year. He's quick and has big playability, but he's not very physical. I didn't think he was tough. He doesn't finish run strong, inconsistent pass protection. He just has enough foot quickness. He doesn't have long speed. He can't create. He's too inconsistent. That's one scout's opinion. I think it's a little harsh because you don't just run for 2,000 yards in college football the way that he did when he ran over the entire nation in 2019 and then have all, like, yeah, he might not be the best pass pr- protector and he might not be very physical. I just, I don't really have understand how you not can't be physical and not and didn't do what he did that year at Oklahoma State. That's just my opinion. Um, so moving on to the fifth round, Carolina Panthers now started taking some guys that they really knew from the Senior Bowl. And they start off in the fifth round at 158 overall. They take Davion Nixon, defensive tackle out of Iowa. Dude, 6'3", 305, unanimous consensus All-American this past season. Outland Trophy and Bronco Nagurski Award finalists. He's a Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. First team All-Big Ten, had five and a half sacks in eight games as a defensive tackle in 2020. And I'm sure you've seen the highlight of the interception, the pick six that he had off Sean Clifford, the quarterback for Penn State this past year where he just kind of Euro-stepped the dude. Really athletic guy, really good player, and he fits right into that three-technique role. When I talk about five-and-a-half sacks, eight games at DT, I love him. I'm a big fan. Iowa always churns out good offensive linemen, and they started churning out some pretty solid defensive tackles as well. So he fits in right there on that checklist I had about adding a defensive tackle, three-technique, next to Derrick Brown for the long term. And you have to think back to a former Big Ten guy that we had. Now, he wasn't a fifth-rounder. He was a lot earlier. K.K. Short out of Purdue. He was really good for a long time inside as a three-technique. Hopefully, Davion Nixon can fulfill that role for the Carolina Panthers moving forward. You stay in the fifth round at 166 overall. Keith Taylor, cornerback, Washington, 6'2", has decent speed at 4.540. He had 10 pass breakups and zero interceptions in 43 games and 19 starts in college at Washington, but only allowed 43.4 completion percent rate and two touchdowns. And here's the thing about Washington. When I just look at Washington defensive players, they have continuously 
churned out some really good guys on the defense, especially in the secondary. Jimmy Lake, who's now their head coach, used to be their secondary coach before Chris Peterson uh, resigned a year ago. He has done a marvelous job for years with some of these guys. You just look at the NFL right now and you look at Washington defensive players, you think of guys like Vita Vea, who is awesome down with the Buccaneers. Buda Baker, really good with the Cardinals. Shaq Thompson, who we have here in Carolina. Marcus Peters, he had his issues up at Washington, but he was a former Washington Husky. He's been fantastic. Kevin King was a first-rounder. He's been up and down in the NFL. Sidney Jones, another first-rounder. He's been up and down. Taylor Rapps just had some issues in terms of injuries. But they've consistently put out first and second and third-round guys from that secondary at the University of Washington. Keith Taylor, a fifth-round guy, he might end up playing a little bit better than that moving forward. So I kind of like that. Also, you add some depth to the cornerback position where you already have Boye and Dante Jackson potentially only for one season. And you added, of course, uh, J.C. Horn in the first round to be your day-one starter. You had Troy Pride and Stan Thomas Oliver last season who were fourth and seventh rounders, respectively, that had to play a lot this past season that also have some experience. So... The cornerback room, a lot of competition in there, a lot more depth than we had a couple weeks ago. Closing out the rest of the draft, Deontay Brown, sixth round, 193 overall. He's a guard, and when he gets to Charlotte, he's going to be the biggest person in his entire city. 6'3", 350 pounds. Unbelievable monster of a man who can fit in there and potentially be a long-term guard option. I had talked about this. John Miller, he's going into another one-year deal. You can't keep signing one-year deals. Is John Miller ever going to end up actually being your long-term right guard? Pat Elfline, who they signed. I wasn't a huge fan of that signing. I'm still not a huge fan of that signing. Is he really going to slide over and be your center of the future? Is he going to be your left guard of the future? I'm not quite sure. I'm not really all that enamored with the idea of that. Deontay Brown, huge dude from a great offensive line from Alabama. Now, he did have some off-field concerns due to his weight he also had a six-game NCAA suspension for violation of team rules. A little, not quite sure what exactly happened there. I have yet to see anyone actually put out the real details in that story. So that's part of the reason why he slipped. Again, the weight will be concerned. He came to Alabama like 375. By the time he got to his pro day, he was 344. So if you can keep that weight down, you might have a really good player in the inside. In terms of especially going downhill, run blocking, and pass protection. Like, you can't bull rush this guy. I mean, this guy is going to be pretty good for the Panthers, hopefully, if he can st- keep his head on tr- straight and he can maintain his weight. Uh, you go to Shai Smith, who was a wide receiver out of South Carolina, drafting sixth round, 204th overall. He was one of the only bright spots for the South Carolina offense this past year. I got a bunch of friends who went to South Carolina. I watch a ton of South Carolina Gamecock football. And this dude, especially that offense, that was a complete disaster under Mike Bobo this past year and the ill-fated last season, Will Muschamp. And they're starting Colin Hill, who's just horrible. He was the only bright spot. Him and Mike Jones, their running back, or Kevin Jones, the running back. That was it. Shai Smith was really good. He's a guy who also dropped because of character concerns or whatever, because early back in his career at South Carolina, didn't necessarily fall in line with the culture that was set there, but he turned out to be a pretty damn good player at the end of the day. And then you go to Thomas Fletcher also there in the sixth round. One of the best stories, at least in terms of who the Panthers drafted, the phone call where he's on the phone with another team, and I'm sure you've seen his video. He's on the phone with another team. Matt Rule calls him. He's like, hey, you coming? He's like, I mean, I hope so. And Rule's like, no, I, I drafted you. He's like, dude, get out of here. So I just love that. Like Thomas Fletcher just being super excited. And I, and I love this tweet that Bruce Feldman put out there, covers college football, saying that the 2020 Alabama team was so good that even their long snapper got drafted. So J.J. Jansen at 35, he's aging long snapper. The Panthers can save up some money if they cut him. And I, let's just be honest, folks. 
It's this is the NFL. It's a dirty business at times. JJ Jansen's probably thinking he's safe, and the Panthers drafted the freaking long snapper out of Alabama. Fletcher was a four-year starter for the Crimson Tide, where he was pretty much flawless and finished career at a perfect mark. As a senior, he was named the winner of the Patrick Manley Award, which goes to the nation's top long snapper. So that's trivia for you in the end. If you ever want to know who the nation's top long snapper is, they're the Patrick Manley Award winner. So long snapper of the future. Good for the Carolina Panthers there. And finally, defensive tackle out of Kentucky in the seventh round, Phil Hoskins. But every time they're in the seventh round, they're always asked, are they even going to make the roster anyway? So that's the Carolina Panthers draft class. They added a day one starter at corner. They added wide receiver depth. They got a versatile offensive lineman who could potentially be your future left tackle in Brady Christensen. They added a physical uh, blocking tight end who can also catch the football. They got a backup for Christian McCaffrey. They added a three technique. The largest human on the planet comes to Charlotte. They even added the long snapper of the future. They built the overall roster which has been my focus of the Carolina Panthers the entirety of this offseason. I know I spent a lot of time talking about getting that left tackle. I know a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about quarterback. And part of the reason why I wasn't so gung-ho about getting a quarterback was there were so many holes that needed to be filled in this roster that that needed to happen before the Carolina Panthers really could truly be a quarterback away. But obviously, yes, you want to already have that quarterback in place to where you have to plug in a few holes or they can mask a few holes just by their elevated play that you don't have to worry about that. Which we'll just be honest, drafting a rookie probably was not going to change the fortunes of this franchise right away in terms of putting them as a playoff contender, whether Justin Fields would have been a starter or not. Now, we'll see what he does in Chicago, and it's certainly a storyline that we'll be following here closely in Carolina for years to come, especially if Sam Darnold turns out to not be um, what the Carolina Panthers are hoping he's going to be. And even on Sam Darnold now, everything's there for him. They added a, a guy who potentially could be your left tackle, Brady Christensen. They added another guard, Deontay Brown. They've added more depth with Terrace Marshall and Shai Smith, that wide receiver. Tommy Trimble at tight end. They had another running back there with Chuba Hubbard. They've given you a lot. So there's even less of an excuse for him. But I just like what the Panthers did and crossing off the getting a three technique, which is on my board. I mean, I don't know whether they've secured a long-term left, top, left tackle option or not. I don't know. Hopefully, I just, I'm a little wait and see when it comes to that. They, they didn't draft a safety which I was hoping that they could do potentially the play opposite of Jeremy Chin. One of the guys that talked about Richie Grant, unfortunately, is going to be here in the division playing Atlanta as Keanu Newell is no longer there with the Atlanta Falcons. They still, I think, future need to find a safety. I don't think Justin Burris is going to be that guy long-term, but we'll see how he plays again this year. He certainly has another opportunity. We have franchise records with tra- five trades. Basically, all of them were made on day two. They paid off the Darnold trade with the six-rounder that they got from Denver for trading Teddy. And in there in the third round, when Houston want to trade up, they trade away that pick and they get back a fourth from the twenty from the next year's draft in twenty twenty two. So eleven selections made, which tie the first draft Panthers ever had back in nineteen ninety five. And as I said at the top of the show, we saw a different approach. We saw an aggressiveness. We saw a savvy that we had not seen throughout the entire history of the Carolina Panthers when it came to the NFL draft. Scott Fitterer. He was masterful, as Matt Rule said. We will find out in time whether he truly was in terms of the guys he selected. But in terms of working the board and working trades and adding selections and doing what the Panthers sought out to do, he absolutely did that. So I applaud Scott Fitterer for that, and I hope that these guys work out. The rest of this week, we will continue to look at some of these draft picks. I have something up my sleeve in terms of somebody who's going to come on and really give you a great back uh, background on some of these guys and going to really evaluate how the Panthers draft class Hopefully will turn out, but how they like them. And again, everyone out there is giving this draft class A's. So 
Be excited, Panther fans. Seriously, be excited about this. Be be a little cautious because it's just a grade. Doesn't mean that any of these guys are going to work out. I mean, I'm hoping that they all, I mean, all of them work out, all 11, but likely, which is to be honest, not all 11 are going to work out. As I said, Hoskins hopefully makes the roster, but I mean, I don't know whether he'll make the roster or not. But when you look at the top half of guys, I mean, it's not just J.C. Horn. But it's the point where, from four to seven, where in years past, the Panthers have done a terrible job of drafting guys in that range. And it comes out every year that 66% 66 of the league is made up of guys from four through seven. So it's the Chuba Hubbards, the Davion Nixons, the Keith Taylors, the Deontay Browns, the Shai Smiths, the Thomas Fletchers, the Phil Hoskins that you really hope turn out. And I mean, Fletcher... I have I think of all of those guys, I think he's got to be guaranteed to be the one that at least is going to make it just because he was a great long snapper at Alabama and he's young and you can have him for the next 10, 15 years potentially. Uh, I mean, I really hope Brown works out just having that big time guy in the, in the middle and Davion Nixon, of course, to put next to Derek Brown. So we're going to find out a lot about these guys in the years to come. Be happy about what happened this past weekend. But cautious optimism, cautiously optimistic, be about that. But I'm excited about to see what's going to happen and excited to talk even more about these draft prospects throughout the rest of the week. So this wraps up another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, I'm your host, Julian Council. Follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. Again, thanks for listening. I love you all. Talk to you tomorrow. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.